stand in tonight. Uh, come and bless us with the word. May the Lord use you tonight. Thank you, brother. Yeah, we freeze when we go to Melanda too. <laughs> get up there, mate, and it gets so cold up there. Just up from where you live. Yeah, well, it's eight hours from where I live, but it's up there in the mountains, man, I tell you. And it gets so cold up there, we're up in, uh, we're up at Ravenshoe. We're up there for two weeks and it rained, and it rained, and it rained. I think we had two or three days without rain. And it was cold and it was miserable. But we were there giving our tracks at the Melander Show, the Atherton Show, and uh, the Cairns Show, and we were down preaching for young Cam down at the Waree Independent Baptist Fellowship. Uh, Cam is from uh, the Melander Church. Cam and Lauren. Lauren is uh, Buddy's granddaughter. And so Cam is a young man that leads the singing at uh, Brother Buddy's church. He's also the treasurer. And he leads uh, three youth groups, Ravenshoe, Melander and Cairns. Goes down on a Sunday night to do the preaching down there at a fellowship they started a, a few years ago. And so, uh, yeah, we thank God for young fellas like that, for Cam. So he said, while I was up there, will you come and preach for me? I said, too right, mate, and I've been there uh, with him. And so he's a young fellow that takes a good stand. And incidentally, he'd been up to New Guinea. He's a builder by trade. He's been up there helping the missionaries with his own hands doing work, building uh, projects uh, with them. So thank for, uh, the Lord for young fellows like Cam and David Onus and for the young men that are stepping into our shoes. We need young men that are going to step into our shoes. They're going to take the same stand and uh, uh, will stand with us and uh, hold the ropes. All right, now I did make a promise that I'd speak to you tonight. Let me see if I can find my place. Here it is. All right. I've got a bad habit of stuffing everything in my Bible. It's like a filing cabinet. And sometimes my poor wife picked it up the other day and it's out of the car and all my notes fell out on the ground. So I had to grab them as quick as possible before the wind got under them and blew them away. So, you know, I'm a bloke that writes things down. And I'll think of something, I'll write it down. Do you ever do that? all the time so you know uh, it's not that we forget it's just that we uh, want to remember <laughs> and I never forget anything I remember well let's pray Father thank you for your son thank you for your word we pray for your help tonight as we go through this Lord there's so much to cover so little time to do it Lord and I pray we'd do it uh, efficiently we'd do it uh, honourably pray Lord it would glorify you Pray give us clarity of thought and mind and deliverance tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I promised this morning that I would try and bring a message. There will be changes. There will be challenges. There will be choices. And there will be consequences. I first preached this message in 2008. I don't know if you ever heard of Dr. Tom Strauss. Brother, have you heard of Tom Strauss? Brother Strauss is uh, one of the greatest Greek scholars going and he asked me to come up when I was in America in 2008. He said, will you come up and preach the commencement service? I didn't know what one was because I've never been in a commencement service. A commencement service is actually where you graduate from school. Uh, that's like the end of the year. I thought, well, maybe they ought to call it something else instead of the commencement service. But anyway, I, I preached. This is the message I preached there. Of course, I've added a few more notes to it over the years, but our verse this morning was Hebrews chapter 2. If you'll turn there, please. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. We want to start from there tonight and uh, try and give you a little bit to uh, chew on uh, tonight. 
So Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, therefore, that's what it's there for. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now we uh, use that verse this morning to show you how we really do need to pay more attention or we need to get a grip and a hold on the things which we believe because there are people coming along that try to dismantle uh, what we believe. Let me turn to a verse if I can find it here. Yeah, I wrote it down, Proverbs 19.27 for you young folks. Proverbs 19.27. This is a good verse of scripture for you, not only uh, pertaining to uh, what you're being bombarded with in the media, what you're being bombarded with in school, but also people will come along and try and change you doctrinally. But I want you to look over here. We talked this morning about uh, clinging to the things which we've heard, which we've learned, and don't let them go. Proverbs, where did I say, 29, 17, is that what I said? 1927. Oh, 1927, okay. I'm glad someone was listening. Just checking out. Proverbs 1927. Have a look at this verse here. It's a great verse of Scripture for it says, Cease my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err or err from the words of knowledge. Stop listening to the things and uh, cease to listen to the things that are going to drag you away from the words of knowledge and truth and fact. Now that's a command in the scripture. So if someone comes along and says, let me tell you something. Say, well, if it's a load of rubbish, I don't want to hear it. If it's error, I don't want to hear it. If it's heresy, I don't want to hear it. And we don't want people going astray. And you know, that's what's happened today. So many people have gone astray because they've given ear to things that are false, things that are not true. And so I wanted to just challenge you on that tonight. So number one, there will be changes. Now us old blokes, and I refer to uh, our brother here as an old bloke. Brother McConnell back there, he's an old bloke. A few more old blokes back there. I won't refer to you ladies as old ladies. No way. But some of us old blokes, we've been around a long time. We've seen a lot. We know a lot. We've heard a lot. You know the Bible says, go ask the old folks. I've got a message on go ask the old folks. Well, why would you go ask the old folks? They've been there. They've done that. They've got the knowledge. And they will teach you some things. Did I share with you guys about the, the four girls here in uh, Albury last year? They, they said, oh, you old folks, you don't know nothing. Did I share that with you? All right, we're down the street down in Albury. We're giving out tracks after we are playing with the violins and uh, the guitar and that, and John was there. And so we wandered around the big building there at the... I don't know what it was. Well, is that what it was? But anyway, I was giving out tracks to these young people. So one of the young blokes got a cigarette lighter and set the tracks alight. I said, that's fine. I said, you'll stand before the Lord and give an account for that one day. But as I walked away, these four girls followed me. And as I was walking up the footpath back to where we were playing the instruments, one of them said, oh, you old folks, you really are so stupid, you're so dumb, you really don't know anything. I said, and so I listened as I was walking. They just kept, you know. So I turned around and said, is that right? They said, yes. I said, well, have a look around. See all this? Guess who built that? I said, that's dumb old folks. I said, you know what? You know what you did for this city? Nothing. What did you build here? Nothing. I said, you know what? Think about all the things that you enjoy. Uh, your computers, your iPhone, your iPads, and all the uh, social media stuff and all that stuff you've got. Guess who invented that? <laughs> Dumb folks like us. Guess who built this nation? 
wasn't your crowd. We are the construction crew, they're the destruction crew. They're trying to pull apart what's been built. I said, you know what, it's old folks like me and your parents and their parents and their parents that built this nation and have given you what you've got and you need to appreciate that. Said, you young folks need to go home and say to your parents, thank you for putting clothes on my back, food in my stomach and a roof over my head. Hey, don't be ashamed to tell young people that because they need to be pulled into gear. Okay, now you young folks may not like that. You ever heard of Jordan Peterson? Now he's a psychologist, he is not a Christian. But I'll tell you what, when it comes to people coming to Jordan Peterson and complaining about this and that and everything else, he says, you know what, it's your fault. Don't blame somebody else. Instead of blaming this one and this one and this one, take the blame yourself because it's you that caused the problem. See, that's what we need to do and say, okay, you know, where did this problem come from? Look at the problem of our country. Where did it come from? The pe Look, who's to blame for the Garden of Eden? It wasn't God. It was, it was Adam and Eve. See, they believed the devil rather than God said, uh, don't eat of that tree or you'll die. The devil said, nah, it's all right. Go ahead, help yourself. You can't believe God. So who did they believe? They believed the devil. And listen, people have been believing the devil for centuries rather than believe the truth. They'll believe a lie before they'll believe the truth. So number one, there will be changes. And there's a lot of changes that have happened in my lifetime. And over the 60 years, I'm 73, but I remember over 60 years of changes have happened down through my lifetime. You old blokes have seen those changes and they haven't all been good, have they? We look at it and we see the degeneration of our culture, of our nation, of our people, and uh, it's all because of rebellion. That's what it's all about. I remember the uh, song back in the 60s, a fellow called Bob Dylan sang a song called The Times They Are A-Changing. Have a look at the words of that song and you see everything that he said in there has come true. Come fathers and mothers throughout the land, your, uh, your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. And that's what's happened. The rock uh, culture has sown discord and rebellion right from the 19, late 1950s through the 60s and 70s. The drug culture and the hippies. Look, uh, times did change and it's progressed furthermore than where uh, we started back in the 50s and 60s. You can, you can track the change of our culture and the destruction of our society back to the uh, late 50s and 1960s and 70s. And, you know, we've been fighting that stuff ever since then, brother. Back in the 70s, we, we faced all these things. The changes in fashions, the changes in morals. Boy, I tell you, the changes in standards. You ever have a dress standard for your people or your teachers? Some will say, why do we have this? Oh, we want you to live right, do right, dress right, so forth. You know what, I've given out tracks down on the street for years. I've walked past the pubs and the nightclubs, and guess what, they've got dress standards on the door. Well, I think if a pub and a nightclub has a dress standard on the door, what's wrong with us? Why can't we have dress standards? Hello? So, yes, we've seen the change in fashions. Boy, we are in a time when the fashions are more ungodly and wicked than they've ever been before. Morals, morals are out the door, mate, and so standards... Laws, look at the uh, laws that we've got today. The laws have been watered down, weakened and compromised. So good is evil, evil is good, and uh, we see the change.
That which is criminal is being decriminalized. That which is illegal is being legalized. That which is good is now being declared as bad. So there's a lot of changes. We're seeing uh, the perversion of justice, as I said this morning. Turn to Psalm 2, if you would please. Psalm 2. Got a lot of ground to cover here, so be patient with me. I'll try and talk fast and read fast and get through this as best I can. So Psalm 2. Look down here with me, if you would please. I want to look at verse 10 and 11. It says, Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Those that rule ought to be ruling in the fear of God. Those who are judges of the law, they need also to fear God because, you know, the minister uh, in the government represents the minister. He's the minister of God. That's why they call them ministers. They don't probably don't that. But the judge, he represents the God of heaven. He's the one that's supposed to enforce the law that God wrote. We've got the other guys down there trying to dismantle the law that God gave us, trying to water it down, weaken it. And so we've seen a lot of changes down through uh, the last 60 years or so. So we've seen laws watered down. We've seen uh, terms changed, uh, definitions changed. So they use different terms for the same things now. Uh, and they've redefined them to mean something totally different. Definitions have changed. Words have changed. Gay used to be a good word. It's not a good word anymore. Uh, what else have we got written here? Oh, LGBTIQ. I'll write this down. Write this down. L, let. G, gods. T, truth. Let God's, uh, let God's biblical truth incinerate queerism or queerology. You say, you made that up. No, I didn't. Go check it out. You can look up queerism. There's a definition for it online. Queerology and queerologists, hey, they've got those clowns online. So uh, LGBTIQ, what does the Bible say about LGBTIQ? Let God's biblical truth incinerate queerism. That's the ideology and the philosophy of queerism. Let me go on a bit further. What else have we got? I write little things down. I should get bigger glasses or something. Being in the public school system, 20, uh, 18 uh, years up in one school, 200 kids a week, being in the school and reading the books, seeing the books in the library and so forth and so on, you know what I learned? Education is grooming kids, number one, to be activists. Number two, to uh, be feminised. The boys are being feminised by the education system. If you're a teacher here tonight, I'm not picking on you, OK? You can't help what the system's doing. Uh, the curriculum is being uh, feminised. There's a whole heap of stuff there and uh, they're being drawn into this queerism, gender, diversity and all the rest of this rubbish. Did you know that right now uh, the Bible says there's two genders? Did anybody tell me what they are, please? I'm confused. <laughs> no. The Bible says God made them what? Male and female. You know, there's over 30 genders now. Where did that come from? Well, listen, you know, Christianity's fallen in uh, for this trap. And, you know, we don't, we don't use modern translations. We only use the King James. But, you know, there are modern translations that started back decades ago changing the genders in the Bible. 
where they don't use he and him, she and her, but they use other terms to replace that. And the some have even gone uh, into the depths of that. I haven't got all that information here right now, but I've got it tucked away in my little file bank back there in Mackay. But as we look at the situation here, what does it say? In the last days, we can look at the scripture, it says, in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, and list a whole heap of things there. In the latter times. So look, people say, well, why do you believe the Bible? Because it's more up to date than today's newspaper. And it tells us what's going to be happening. See, this is pre-written history. Newspapers, well, we used to have newspapers. <laughs> they used to tell us what happened yesterday. This tells us what's going to happen tomorrow and way out there in the future. When you look at the Old Testament, this was pre-written history that was fulfilled. We saw the Lord Jesus Christ come. What they say, one of those key words were this morning, fulfilled. And this was done that the scripture might be fulfilled. See? And so what we have in the New Testament now is also pre-written history. In the last days, perilous times shall come for, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. I mean, I preached as it was in the days of Lot back in the 1970s. <clears throat> it's got a lot worse since then. Whoever thought a bloke would want to marry a bloke or a woman would want to marry a woman? <clears throat> And the stuff that's going on there changes, mate. We've seen some changes, and they've just been just abominations, that's for sure. Times are changing. Look over in Psalm 106, please. Psalm 106. Oh, you want to get a history of Israel, mate? Read uh, Psalm 78, Psalm uh, 105, Psalm 106. Read Acts chapter 7. I tell you what, you talk about a condensed history of the children of Israel and God being unhappy with them. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Boy. Look how they went astray. Look here in Psalm 106, verse, 20, uh, verse 19. Psalm 106, verse 19. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. See, God made man in his own image. But these people here in the wilderness... Aaron made a golden calf, cast it in the ground, set it up, and they danced around naked, worshipping the golden calf. So they'd taken the glory of God in their own image and made it what? Into a four-footed beast. They perverted the knowledge of God in 40 days. Moses was up on the mount for 40 days, and they said, where's Moses? We've got to have somebody to lead us. So what did they do? They created a golden calf and they bowed down to that thing. So what does it say there? It says they changed their uh, glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. So in the time of Moses, they perverted the true and living God into an animal in 40 days. How can they pervert the knowledge of God in 5,000 years? Hmm, think about that. We've got so many uh, perversions. We've got a guy up there by the name of Mervyn Yarnick, and he's from India. He said they've got over a million gods in India. How can you have a million gods? Because you've got a million different opinions and you've got a million uh, different queer ideas, strange ideas. So uh, in the end, we're uh, in the end now. How do we know that? Because the scripture says so. These things indicate the end of the time. A time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. A time will come when they will turn away their ears from the truth, be turned under fables. Um, a young fellow up in Ipswich was interviewed. I shared this with someone today. 
This young fellow was being interviewed by the Queensland Times in Ipswich when I was visiting there because that's where we got married, that's where I got saved, that's where I started preaching, that's where my mum died. So I was there and uh, there was an article in the Queensland Times about this church that was growing in leaps and bounds and they said, well, you know, how come you're growing in leaps and bounds and all these other churches are dying? You know what his answer was? I scratch where they itch. They have turned to teachers having what? Itching ears. And that's what we're living in today. People only want to hear what they want to hear, stuff that's going to make them feel good, something that's not going to make them feel bad. They don't want to hear the stuff that makes them feel bad. And guess what? They call that hate speech. You know why they call it hate speech? Because they hate it. Seriously. Because it points out their sin, their wickedness and their need for repentance. And they don't like to be told that they're living in sin. They don't want to be told that this is true, this is false, this is right, this is wrong. So they call it hate speech. Why? Because they hate it. Remember that. So why is it called hate speech? Because they hate the truth. They don't want to be told the truth. That's why they hate to be told. That's why it's called, um, yeah, hate speech. Oh, incidentally, think about the... Uh, the term human rights, boy, I tell you what, that covers a whole scope of things now. Watch out for that because a lot of things are going to come under that umbrella, human rights. Do you know animal rights, the animal rights movement? Animals have more rights than human beings do today. I'm serious. If you own an animal, mate, take care of it or get rid of it or give it to the vet and let him get rid of it. Because I tell you what, the way it is now, and see, they worship the creature more than the creator. That's where we're living at now. You go to the supermarket, go to the hardware store, you go all these places, they've got, I'm not against pets, I'm not against animals. They've got pet rows, food and toys and all this sort of stuff. Kids that are, uh, at the school will say, you got any pets, Mr Hong? Say, uh, no, nah, I've got probably about 100 roos hop around my backyard of night. Do you feed them? Nah, the Lord feeds them. He takes care of them. But I said, uh, hey, what, what do you think about cats, Mr Hong? I said, they just taste like, I love them, they taste like chicken. <laughs> but, you know, I'm trying to show them, yeah, I really care about the animals, but hey, they've got their place in society. And uh, the Bible says, the righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. Got cattle and sheep, take care of them, okay? As for some of the others, well... You ever heard of this bloke? What's this bloke at, uh, in America? He's an Aussie uh, from Genesis. What's him called? Uh, that's him, Ken Ham. You ever heard him talk about poodles? Yeah, he's a lion. <laughs> hey, you think I'm crazy, mate? Whew, tell you, he's worse. But yeah, if you look at the changes, there's been spiritual changes, there's been personal changes, public changes, political changes, economic changes. You talk about secular changes, uh, we've got changes in uh, apostasy, technology, you name it, science. Science isn't science anymore, it's pseudoscience. Social media, and you know, we've got so many perversions. Well, let me move on down. There's so many things have changed in the churches. The methods have changed in the churches. No longer do we stand and preach and uh, teach and have a good sound uh, gospel music and good sound preaching. We've got all sorts of emotional stuff and all sorts of psychological stuff and all sorts of egotistical stuff going on in the pulpit, and that's wrong. So, yeah, we're seeing a lot of changes. The music's changed, the translations have changed. Uh, the theories in science have changed. Churches have, 
are changed, men have changed. Look over at Daniel chapter 20, uh, Daniel chapter 2. I love this verse. I just love this verse. Mr. Hong, do you believe in climate change? Daniel 2, verse 20. We get the right verse here. Did I write the right verse down? Yeah, it's verse 21, sorry. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings, setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Hey, climate change is something that God is confounding them with. Uh, I mean, like I said this morning, they'll tell you it's going to be so hot here and then uh, all of a sudden we've got this cold snap coming in. See, we used to have an El Nino and a La Nina. Now we've got a third one. Did you know we've got a third one now? It's called the Indian Dipole. You heard that? See, we've got the dry season and we've got the wet season. We've got this other one over here they call the Indian Dipole. It just throws everything out of balance. They say, we haven't got an answer for that, so we've made it up and called it the Indian Ocean Dipole. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. And, you know, God is just confounding them. We pray and ask God, dear Lord, please just make this just blow up in their face. Take the wise in their own craftiness. We need to pray uh, to that. So, yes, churches have changed. God's the one who changes times and seasons. Number two, there will be challenges. So with the changes that we've seen down through the decades, there's been a lot of challenges that come with those changes. And uh, your own preacher can tell you that. We get the challenges from the world. We get the challenges from the devil. We get the uh, challenges from the flesh. And talk about the challenges that come from the devil. The challenges that come from your friends and your enemies and your family. Why do you believe all that stuff? Why don't you move with the times? Don't you become more relevant to the age we're living in? Hey, you can't be more relevant than today. We're living uh, as relevant people because we go by the word of God. We don't have to update the word of God. The word of God's always in time. It's always updated. We don't have to go and get uh, download all this sort of stuff. It's right here. And so we're already uh, relevant. We don't have to have updates. But look at the fact now. We don't have freedom of speech anymore. We've redefined that. Freedom of speech has been taken away. And uh, we're not allowed to speak the truth. We're not, to say, not allowed to say right's right and wrong's wrong. You know, the left is so confused they don't know what's right. Seriously. The left thinks, the left thinks that what is wrong is right. But we who are right, we know that wrong is not right. And right is right and wrong is wrong. So they're confused. But we who know what's right need to stand up for what's right because if we don't stand up for what's right, all we'll have left is what's left. Is that true? Is that right? That's right. All right. Let's move on down. So we've got all of this. And then, of course, we've got the uh, challenges, like I said, Job faced challenges, did he not? Faced challenges from the devil. He had some changes in his life and there were some challenges that came with those changes. Then he had his mates come along. Job's help was made. You talk about critics. They were no help. They were just challenges to Job. But see, God was on the side of Job. Look at Joseph. How would you like to be in Joseph? I mean, his brothers were against him and uh, they didn't like him. They hated him. They were jealous of him. We've got to get rid of him. Yeah, that didn't work. They sent him away. 
And then he got down to Egypt and he didn't say, well, I'm not going to be uh, a follower of God anymore. God's abandoned me. No, he already knew God was with him when he went down there because he told him what was going to happen in the future. Joseph was a prophet and they didn't like what he had to say. So we get rid of him, get rid of his prophecies. And, of course, all they were doing was helping to fulfill the prophecies that Joseph already told them about. He got down to Egypt there and, of course, Potiphar's wife got a, a hankering to like Joseph and he said, no way, I'm out of this, I don't want any of this. And so she had him thrown into prison, the challenge of prison. We know he became the prime minister of Egypt, the governor of Egypt under Pharaoh. So Joseph chased, faced challenges. The promises he made uh, to his own uh, people when he was 17 years of age weren't fulfilled until he was about 41 or 42. Think about that. Sent to Egypt at the age of 17, stood before Pharaoh when he was 30, said of seven years of good and seven years of bad. We'll get coming. He says, God's showing you what's coming for Egypt. Seven years came by. Now he's 37. The good times are over. The bad times start. Two years into uh, the bad times and, uh, yeah, guess what? Joseph's brothers show up. So he's got to be at about 39 or 40 when his brothers show up. They go back and forth. So yeah, he's about 41, I guess, or 42 till he uh, reveals who he is to his own brothers. And what happens when they come down the first time? They have to bow down just like Joseph said they would do when he was 17 years of age. Look, God's word's going to come true no matter what people say. There will be challenges there, but stick with the word of God. God means what he says and says what he means. Uh, I, Elijah said, well, look, Lord, there's just, just me left. Poor me. I'm only, only, only one left out of all this uh, mess. And God basically said, well, stop feeling sorry for yourself. I've got another 7,000 just like you that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. So we need to stand up for what's right and we don't need to bow the knee to Baal, but we need to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ like we're saying here tonight, bow the knee. He's the one we should be bowing to. And then, of course, we think about um, uh, the Apostle Paul, we think about Peter, James, and John, and Stephen. Look at the challenges they face getting out the gospel. I mean, that's enough to uh, cause a preacher to quit, Brother McConnell. But they didn't. They kept going. I mean, they got thrown into jail. Uh, I mean, you talk about a challenge being in a prison and the angel comes and lets them out and says, OK, fellas, go back to what you were doing. What was that? What you got arrested for? <laughs> so they're back doing what they got arrested for. I mean, that has to be a challenge. But these guys said, OK, we're going to do what the Lord wants. That's what we need to do. We need to face up to the challenges. And there will be a lot of challenges. You'll face challenges. Paul faced up to prison and beatings and floggings. And some of these guys were even killed, like uh, Peter, and we think about uh, uh, James being beheaded with the sword and Stephen being stoned to death. But look over at Second uh, Kings 17. Second Kings 17. I look back at all the changes. Boy, I just shake my head and say, how in the world did we ever get into this mess? See, we allowed it. That's what happened. Instead of standing up and speaking out and hanging on to that which was right, we began to listen to the intellectuals. They're dangerous. And they'll try and get you to uh, rethink things and have another look at things and to reevaluate things and to make concessions on things. Second Kings chapter 17. Second Kings chapter 17. If you'll uh, just turn there with me quickly. Let's look on down. Second Kings 17 verse 21. Second Kings 17 verse 21. 
For he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. And uh, Jeroboam uh, drove Israel from following the Lord and made them sin, a great sin. Jeroboam was a wicked leader. I mean, uh, it's a story all on its own. When uh, Jeremiah, when uh, God chose Jeroboam to take the place of, um, if you like, Rehoboam, Rehoboam lost 10 of his tribes. God gave them to, uh, Rehoboam, to uh, Jeroboam. And look, Jeroboam didn't do a good job. He failed miserably and he eventually lost his job too, didn't he? But you know, you think about Jeroboam, he's the guy I talked about stuck out his hand this morning and God made it freeze. Uh, well, you know, when it comes down to choices, uh, we look at the scriptures here. Look at Joshua chapter 24. Moses led the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. And then he failed God right at the end there. So he said, I want you to get Joshua ready to take over. But if you look here in uh, Joshua 24, look at the challenge given out here to the people in verse 14. Joshua 24, 14. Now therefore fear uh, the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So with those changes and challenges, there have to be choices. And uh, Joshua said to the people, you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve the devil's crowd. You're going to serve all these false idols. So you have to make a choice. Which way are you going to go? You're going to stand for what's right, what's true, or you're going to compromise and go along uh, with what the world is saying, what the world is doing. First Kings, if you'll turn there, please. First Kings chapter 18. If you look down at First Kings chapter 18 with me, let's look at verse 21 here. First Kings 18, 21. Now the children of Israel have been following Baal and worshipping Baal and they're under the leadership of none other than Ahab. And so here we uh, look at this here in uh, verse 21, 1 Kings 18, 21, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, and if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Look, that people answered him not a word. You talk about weak and spineless and wouldn't stand up for what's right, they wouldn't answer a word. But when the fire fell and consumed the sacrifice of Elijah and licked up all the stones and the dust and the water and everything, then they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. What's God got to do to convince people? I mean, they were halting between two opinions. And you find that they served the Lord and worshipped their gods. You talk about hypocrisy. Well, there's going to be choices that need to be made. And so you need to make the right choices. You make the right choices, you've got the right consequences. The choices you make, you have to live with. We tell young people that all the time. Make the right decisions. Make the right choices. Go consult the old folks. You know, the younger folks, they may laugh at you and say, oh, I wouldn't go to the old people. They just, yeah. Hey, that's what Rehoboam did. When he took over the kingdom... And he went to the old people and said, now, I want to be a good leader, I want to be a good king, a good ruler. How would you counsel me? What advice would you give me? And they told him. Then he went to the younger generation and says, okay, fellas, you're my peers, you're my age, so give me some counsel advice. What should I do to be a good leader? 
Do the opposite of what the old folks told you. And God told him, he said, you know, if you do that, you're going to lose everything. And he did. So it's best to follow the advice of the old folks. They're not dumb like young people think. You know, when young people get to about 25 years of age, they say, you know what, my parents are a lot smarter than I thought they were. <laughs> because they've got answers that young people don't have. Well, we need to make choices. Let's make a few of those choices. Titus 1 and verse 9. Titus 1 and verse 9. So we've seen the changes. We've seen the challenges. So there has to be some choices. Choose the right things. Make the right decisions. And that way you won't be coming back saying, I wish I had listened. Titus 1 and verse 9. Titus 1 and verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Hold fast the faithful word that you've been taught. You know, don't make concessions on it. Don't listen to anybody else. Stick with the word of God. It's like the people travelling across the Mediterranean on the uh, ship with Paul. He's going to Rome. He's a prisoner. And Paul says, you know, I think we need to stay here on this island and not venture out there because there's going to be problems, there's going to be disaster. And they basically said... The leader said, well, what would you know? You're only a preacher. I'd rather listen to this fella. He's travelled this ocean and uh, I'm going to follow his experience. I'm going to follow his counsel. So they did. You can read that in Acts 27. So out there on the Mediterranean, they didn't uh, believe what Paul said. What would he know? He's only a preacher. Yeah, but he's in touch with God. Out there, there was a storm and a tempest called Eurocladnon. Brother, there was uh, darkness for days. They were so concerned about it, they tossed everything overboard. They were frightened they're going to lose the ship. You know, Paul stood up and said, you know what? He said, you should have listened to me. You didn't believe what I said. You should have listened. He said, I'll tell you what, you need to listen now. Listen up. He's saying, you need to listen now. Take heed. Pay attention. God says you're going to lose the ship. But no life will be lost if you follow what I tell you. So you better listen to the preacher this time or people are going to die. And so Paul said, Paul said, I believe it's going to be just like it was told to me. And that's the way God's word is. You better believe it for what God says because God is telling us things. We need to believe it just like God said it because if someone comes along and changes it or reinterprets it or waters it down or weakens it, don't believe it. Just believe it for what God says in his word. All right. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. We're coming down to the end of this. This point. <laughs> I'm kidding. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. If you look here in verse 21, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. We talked about Romans 12 and verse 2 this morning, doing the same thing. Put everything to the test, hang on to that which is good, and uh, listen, you won't regret the right decisions that you make but you might have some regrets if you make the wrong decisions think about that uh, rich man who died and went to hell he didn't care about his soul didn't care about anybody all he cared about was himself but in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments and what's the one thing he said I've got five brothers they're lost they're going to wind up here with me unless somebody goes and tells them Somebody needs to tell them or they're going to wind up in hell. And Abraham said, I love this, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. They don't believe in life after death. 
Well, Abraham knew Moses. Moses came along a long time after Abraham. And then, of course, the scriptures were written by Moses and written by the other prophets that he mentioned, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And not only that, he said, let them hear them. He knew about them reading the scriptures aloud, evidently in the synagogues and in the temple. And he says, well, let them hear them. Let them go hear the scriptures themselves. So when you think about this, people are lost and going to hell and we need to tell them and not be apologetic about that because God loves them, God uh, cares for them, he wants them to be saved. God would have all men to be saved. As you look through the scriptures, remember we talked about words, we talked about phrases this morning. Look up the phrase, they did worse than their fathers. You'll find that in the scriptures, they did worse than their fathers. Follow through Judges 2 and 3. I preached that last time, I think, or first time I was here, I preached about three generations. A faithful generation, a failing generation, a faithless generation. Three generations. The third generation knew not the Lord nor yet the things which he had done for Israel. Somewhere along the line, somebody stopped talking and teaching about the Lord and a generation grew up who knew not the Lord. That's why we need to keep teaching it, preaching it and standing them on the truth of God's word. All right, hold fast our profession, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.14. Uh, Hebrews 10.23 says the same thing. And then, of course, uh, uh, Revelation uh, chapter 2, verse 25, hold fast till I come. And in closing tonight, there will be consequences. So there's changes. We've seen changes. There's challenges that come with those changes, and we've seen some of those challenges. And right now, Southern Cross Baptist Church and the school is facing a lot of challenges because of some of the changes that have been made to the law. And so they've got to make some choices. So pray for them. Right now, Andrew Lewis is in Israel. There's some challenges there that that young man has faced with his family. And so uh, there's been a lot of changes. Now he's got to make some choices. And those choices are going to be hard to make. So pray for Andrew over there. All right. When you think about consequences... Read all of the prophets from Jeremiah through. Did the children of Israel listen to the prophets? No. What happened? What were the consequences? <laughs> they wound up in Babylon for 70 years. Read uh, Jeremiah chapter 44. Tell you what, said, didn't you learn anything from your parents? Look where they are. Now you're going to do the same thing. So, yeah, look at all the prophets. Did they listen to the prophets? No, they didn't. They wound up over in Babylon. And when Ezekiel was over there, God said to Ezekiel, you're going to be my spokesman to these people, but I want you to know something. They're not going to listen to you because they won't even listen to me. That's Ezekiel 3. But he said, go and tell them anyway. See, they may not know, they may not want to hear, but you need to tell them anyway. Lastly, oh, Ruth chapter 1. I preached on that last time, I think, or the time before, how they went down to Moab. What a disaster. Did they consult God's word? No. If they did, they'd have known that they shouldn't have been down in Moab. And what happened down there? Well, Daddy died. Mama stayed with the two boys. And the two boys married two heathen women. Then they died. And Mama went back to Bethlehem. But I think the biggest disaster of all, of all the consequences that came about through the choices that people make, I think was Abraham and Hagar. So look at the conflict that's going on in Israel right now. What's it all about? It's over the land. 
Listen, this conflict hasn't been going on for 60 years, it's been going on for 4,000 years. And it came out of choices that were made. They couldn't wait on God. We're going to help God out, you know what, he's a little bit slow. So here's what I suggest. Why don't you take Hagar, my handmaid, and we'll have our son by him, or by her. And they did. And God wasn't in that. And then, of course, sometime later, God gave them Isaac. And, you know, there's been conflict between Isaac's people and Ishmael's people for 4,000 years. Choices? That choice came out of a decision from the flesh, not from the spirit. That's why you need to make choices that are based upon the word of God, not upon emotion, not upon what you think, and don't try and help God out. He doesn't need your help. I think about the only time I find uh, the place where the Lord Jesus had help or needed help was over there when he got them to go pick up the donkeys for him to ride into Jerusalem. If any man says, what are you doing with those? He said, tell them the Lord hath need of them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for your word. Help us always to stand true, Lord. And we know there's been a lot of changes down through the decades, Lord, and there's been many challenges for preachers and Christians through all of these things that have changed, Lord. And there's choices we've had to make, Lord, and I pray that the choices that we will make in the future will be the right ones and help us to realise, Lord, that there are consequences to the choices we make. Help us to make the right choices based upon the word of God because you told us to test those things, to try those things and prove those things according to the word of God. So speak to our hearts tonight. Challenge us afresh and anew in Jesus' name. Amen.